Hey everyone, thank you for tuning into Blockchain for the Billions. I'm Cami here with Lauren and Steph of Allowless Podcast today, doing a little podcast swap. Thank you guys so much for joining. Thanks for, Thanks having, for having us. Of course. So we'll get right into it. Um, I'm super curious to hear kind of about how Allowless started, how you guys found each other as co-hosts and what that process was like. Um, but to start, do you mind giving me sort of a brief background of um, sort of your work life and um, what got you here? So you want my life story? Yes. <laughs> Great. Um, I can go first. I work by day for a tech company called Atlassian. I do field event marketing for them. Um, before that I was, or before I moved to Chicago, I was living in San Francisco. I graduated college a year early and really was like, wow, there's so much shit that no one tells you about the real world and navigating corporate life as a woman and making friends in a new city. So I started a podcast focused around just that, interviewing female entrepreneurs and builders and founders and authors, kind of just hearing their advice for the modern day women entering the tech force. And then I moved to Chicago and continued working in my corporate job and doing the podcast. And that's kind of how Steph and I met. So I will let Steph take it from here. And then we could talk about kind of how our journeys collided. Yeah. So very similar to Lauren, have been in tech my entire career. Um, started in at the intersection of consumer and tech, and then followed problems that I just loved solving to working for an AI company um, based in Chicago that was uh, solving the problem of helping everybody in the world understand data. If you've ever looked at a bar chart or a line chart, you might you know, find it diff difficult to interpret or certainly difficult to articulate in words, you know, percentage changes that you're seeing and stuff like that. So this company was focused on how they could automatically using AI translate data into words and sentences that we could read and basically turn our businesses uh, into uh, more optimized workforces by taking this idea of data storytelling and applying it within a user interface. So you could connect your business data and basically get a Twitter feed for your business. <clears throat> so wow. anyway, yeah, like totally obsessed with that problem. We did an excellent job of solving it. We got acquired by Salesforce last year and I picked my head up for the first time and said, you know, what do I want to do with my career again? And fell back into the intersection of consumer and, and technology. So um, have been doing that in my career on the side, also just super passionate about elevating both you know, women and men, but primarily women in their careers. And so uh, built a Chicago-based IRL community for ambitious women a couple of years ago, where we would host community events on a monthly basis. Um, that led to me authoring a personal development book really focused at women in their 20s that were fresh grads, you know, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, just like me, and really wanted to uh, accelerate their careers. And so uh, that that book led to a podcast and therefore you've got two podcasters focused on elevating women, talking to founders uh, and, and Lauren and, and my worlds collided through that. I'll add to Steph's point that we collided and Steph was kind of a mentor turned friend to me. And then we were sitting having a conversation last year about Web3 and both of us were like, wow, you're into Web3? Like, what are you thinking about? And we, we kind of just found for the first time like other friends and women talking about Web3 because Steph's been in the space for longer than I have. But I find that a lot of women and that are very like 
ambitious and career focused know about Web3, but they don't know how it applies to them or how to get involved. So being the two people we are, we were having coffee and we're like, God, you're into Web3, I'm into Web3. But we're like, let's just make this fun. Like we can just be like partners exploring the space. Let's go to a conference together. Let's not make this a project. And now allow this was born. So we're two gals that can't resist a good project and community building, I guess. I love that. What a cute meet cute for you guys. That's so cute. And it's so much easier to kind of take on a new thing with a friend or a buddy to kind of dive into it with. Um, and so I'm curious, like what you guys, you guys discovered, like, oh, you're into Web3, I'm into Web3. What like about Web3 were each of you into? Like, I know, Lauren, we talked about something like you were into a project or a project picture interest. What was the project or concept that sort of roped you in? I think I was like a basement dweller of Web3 stuff in my actually family group chat. Um, like my brother was telling my parents, like, buy ETH. And I was like, well, I want to buy some ETH then too. Um, And I listened to this podcast also called Group Chat. They're a bunch of founders and um, builders in LA. And they always just like talked about crypto, what was happening in the market, just like at a high level. One of them was an early investor in Coinbase. And I think I just kept hearing these conversations. And as someone who's really curious, I was like, and very honestly, financially motivated. I was like, there's a lot of people making a lot of fucking money here. And I don't want to miss the boat. And at the same time, I was like in my phase of reading like every finance book and every book about getting ahead. So I just became like personally interested in the money piece of it because who's not interested when you start hearing about a bunch of people making money. And then um, I started looking into NFT projects and kind of everything else going on in the space and realized that like everyone made Web3 and crypto sound very exclusive. But through these NFT projects, I found it was like some of the most inclusive communities I've ever encountered, especially of women wanting to help each other learn. So that was really like my onboarding point to the space and where like my knowledge was at the point of talking to Steph about it in that wonderful Foxtrot that day. (laughs) Shout out Foxtrot. On my end, it actually goes back to that AI company, 2016, Woman in AI not common, uh, sitting with one of my colleagues who's this hot, hot crypto dude. And he introduced me to Bitcoin in 2016. And I remember being like, what is Bitcoin? Like I've heard about it, but I don't know about it. How would one learn more? And he pointed me to a book called the blockchain revolution. And for context to the listener, it's a dense book. It takes a lot of time to get through. But when I started the book, Bitcoin was $600 per coin, US dollars. And by the time I ended the book, it was 1500 per coin. And I was like, man, (laughs) should I act it earlier on this? So Um, I got in in, you know, got interested in 2016, got in in 2017, and it was primarily financial motivation. I was like, what's this internet currency that, you know, is growing so rapidly that there's a lot of money to be made? Um, Shortly after that, Bitcoin had its first bull run. And I think like, you know, was was like 8,000 US dollars or something like that. Uh, Hot guy from work retired at that point at the age of 27. I was like, damn, that's dope. Um, But Again, being a woman in technology interested in Bitcoin and crypto at this time in Chicago, I was a basement dweller. You know, I would bring it up in conversations with friends and even with a lot of guys at the time. They're like, that's weird. You know, like internet currency, like that's fake. Stop talking about it. 
And so I just kind of, you know, sat on a, a tiny, tiny little bit of, uh, you know, remaining Bitcoin, Litecoin and ETH uh, after the initial bull run. And I made, you know, a tiny bit of money. I was like, woohoo, you know, take that out, use it for, for real things. Um, and really didn't talk. I, I kind of like closed the book on it until, uh, until Lauren and I started having a conversation. And so as somebody who's always been a metaverse maxine, we can certainly get into that. And somebody who obviously like is really interested in emerging technology and this idea of cryptocurrency, when the general, you know, definition of web three started coming about, I was like, oh, these things are all connected. And that's really exciting. And that enables a lot in terms of the future that I believe we are absolutely stepping into and will only accelerate with the proliferation of, you know, technology and an access to the internet. I love the term metaverse, Maxi, and I do want to get into your guys' favorite use cases. Um, but first, I want to say I had actually sort of a similar situation um, back in 2017. I was like, oh, what is this Bitcoin stuff? Like, I kind of want to get in. I'm like a little curious. Don't want to miss the boat. And it was like this hot guy who was um, coming into the gym that I worked at, who was like a Bitcoin dude. And I was like, um, what is this? So I, I have an Instagram DM from 2017, where it was like me sliding into his DMs, like, what is Bitcoin? I'm going to try and put that up on the screen now. If you're listening or if you're watching on YouTube, you can see as proof, but. Oh my God, I'm so excited for this journey for us. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So it's like, wow, wish I would have bought back in 2017, but it's fine. Wish I would have (laughs) held. Hindsight's 2020. Um, so with that being said, what are some of your guys' favorite use cases of Web3 technology? I know uh, Steph mentioned Metaverse. I'm curious to know what both of you guys, what you guys are both bullish on. Yeah, I can, I can dive into Metaverse. Um, things, things I believe, let's start there because I think it's useful, especially for those that are listening that are like, ugh, the Metaverse, do not bring it up again. Here's what I think is true. We're going to spend more and more time on the internet as time goes on. Like, I think we can all agree it's 2022 now. If you look back and think about where you were with the internet and your relationship to the internet in 2012 versus today, probably very different. Expand that. time is just going up, baby. Right, right. (laughs) Like Facebook hardly existed. Instagram hardly existed. Expand that forward 10 years. And I think we're talking about a very, very different, more immersive version of the internet. Second thing I believe is that because we're going to spend more time there, we're going to own more things that are internet-based as we spend more time on the internet. For example, domains and Instagram handles, these things will become more and more important to us. I think that that's true. I think being able to own and prove we own these things will then be more important to us, right? Because why would I own things if I can't prove to somebody that I own them? And right now, I think owning these things, proving we own these things showing these things, selling these things, engaging with these things is harder than it needs to be. And to me, the promise of Web3 technology and the promise of the metaverse is creating this more immersive version of the internet where we get to exist on, you know, uh, uh, you know, one-off basis going to things like concerts, but also on more um, uh, elongated, you know, timeframes as well, having meetings, doing business, shopping and retail environments that are more immersive, you know, outside of work hours. So I get really, really excited about how the metaverse actually connects all of these things that I believe in a really cool, immersive way that uh, gets to defy the bounds of like what we, we have to exist in within the physical world. 
Steph turned me on to the metaverse. So we actually, one company I'll shout out is Maloka. I think I'm saying it correctly. Um, they're like a mindfulness meditate metaverse, mindful metaverse stuff. Is that correct? Yeah. Um, I think their use case is really interesting because they use the VR headset and they talk about how it's actually proven you can rewire your brain because these experiences are so immersive. It's like you're actually there. People that could never meditate, that could never get into this zone can experience things they never could IRL, but are given the opportunities through um, the metaverse and through these VR headsets. Um, I think they shared that their original founder for that with the idea she was like a monk that wrote a book about meditation and she was like very purist. She had no interest in um, technology being involved. She felt like you shouldn't even set a timer when you meditate. And then she put on a VR headset and she did this thing called walking the plank um, in VR. And she had a full blown panic attack um, because it felt like she was actually there. And what that proved to her is that these feelings or, or these experiences are so immersive that you can do things without actually doing them, but get the same results, right? Like you don't have to walk the plank or whatever it is, but it really gives you an opportunity to experience new things and rewire your brain in different ways. I also think another metaverse use case is like the world is so big and it's expensive to travel and it's expensive to see all the things. But if you could put on a virtual reality headset and go experience China and you never be able to go there, like that would be so cool for kids in the classroom to really immerse themselves in that. So those are two metaverse use cases I'm interested in. Um, the other thing I'm really excited about is like the digital identity aspect. I think like verified credentials, shout out to Evan McMullen and Disco and everything she's building with data backpacks is going to be a huge part of our life. I think she always says like, we leave pieces of ourselves across the internet. We sign up for a new app. We have a new login and username. We don't own our data. Like you go to the airport, you use clear. They own your fingerprints. They own your eye scans. Like we don't own all that. Um, we don't own our education. Like we have to call a school. We have, we don't own our medical bills, like or our medical records. We go to the doctor and we still out, fill out the same goddamn form. We filled out so many times because we don't actually own all this data about us that is fragmented across the world, across these platforms that people like medical companies are selling for money. Like, and I just think with web three, we're going to be able to own our data in ways that are going to make our lives a lot simpler. So um, you can tell I'm excited about that, but I think that's probably like the biggest use case of web three. I think like we all want to live simpler lives. I don't care if it's web three. I don't care if it's blockchain, if it can make your life easier and better, then why not? I have to add one more thing to the ownership of data. Um, there's this incredible company that I'm forgetting the name of, but they believe that in the future, you know, we'll have our time, our money, and our data as investable assets. Imagine a world where you own all of this data by yourself. It's consolidated in a central location and you can, you know, sell it and or rent it to a company that can then leverage it to invest into the market so that you earn a higher return on, you know, your data as an asset about you. I get really excited about that too, because it's like, Right now, all of this data that we're creating is a free utility for others to leverage both against us and to grow their own businesses and their own kind of asset pool. Uh, but imagine that we can consolidate that, we can own that, and, and therefore kind of grow our own wealth. I get stoked about identity and the consolidation of that. 
as an investable resource and asset. No, I love the the passion there on digital identity and owning your data. Um, shout out Decasonic portfolio company Pool Data in the UK, who are doing sort of a, the same sort of effort there. Um, and I also, Lauren, didn't even think about like the educational opportunities that the metaverse enables too, which is just mind boggling to think about. Um, and so with all of these new or, or these potential um, amazing use cases, um, especially as it relates to the metaverse and data and AI and um, and VR, what are some of the um, sort of like things things we should avoid um, going from web two to web three or some of the sort of dangers of this technology? I think a danger just generally right now is like one thing, a lot of things are on chain. Um, I don't think that's necessarily going to be what the future looks like. I think you're going to be able to decide kind of what credentials and things you put on chain and what you don't. Um, I also think obviously security, we were talking about this on our other podcast, but like security is still being figured out in this space. Um, There's a lot of scary players in this space right now. Steph had this really great analogy when we spoke at an event last week. She was like, it's like in web two, when it was early days of the internet and like a little thing would pop up on your parents' computer screen, you were on there playing a game and you'd click it and it'd be like a whole hack that took down the computer. Like that's kind of the days of web three we're in right now. Like there's a lot of crazy stuff happening. There's a lot of naysayers and people kind of playing poorly in the space. And I think as time goes on, you know, there's going to be a lot of companies that solve that problem. Shout out to Ledger. They're doing an incredible job um, with all of their efforts. But right now, I mean, there's just, there's a lot of risk, just like there is in any emerging technology, but there's a lot, also a lot of problems to solve for the people that want to solve those problems. Yeah. The thing I, I'll add, um, I totally agree with security. So this is kind of like a left turn from there. Um, and I'm not fully sure how to articulate it. So it may not come out very well is like, I think that web two in a lot of ways was a, like a hoarding internet, right? There were benefits for hoarding. There was benefits for hoarding data. There was benefits for hoarding emails from companies. So you could get discounts. There were benefits from having uh, a horde of Instagram handles and, um, and social media applications, right? Like there's just like so much in web two, that I think what I hope we avoid as we transition to web three is that hoarding internet where the incentives are based on hoarding. And it over time becomes a more simplified, more user-friendly, more, um, minimalist, seamless version of, of the internet that we know and love right now. And I will add my perspective, which is um, sort of a different category of Web3. But I think, for example, with AI, there's sort of this great debate of whether AI art is art or is in art. And, you know, like, is it, are you an artist if you're writing a prompt or, you know, in the future, if you're just like, if you're you know, some sort of technology is reading your mind. Will it be, you know, are you an artist because you didn't have to write a prompt? Like, how will this escalate? And and these uh, these kind of new conversations come up with this new emerging technology. So, um, I mean, what are your kinds of point? Of, what are your point of views on that? Um, not related to art, but I do have another one that I just thought of that I think is like important to discuss. It's like. I know that regulation needs to come into the space. Like it has to, right? Because there's too many people with too much, you know, 
digital money, losing too much for this to go on. Um, at the same time, what I hope is that regulation won't um, uh, prevent globalization uh, because I think that like one of the benefits of cryptocurrency is like it can cross borders in ways that you know U.S. dollars and other dollars can't. Um, and I've, I can tell a story on that. Um, I also hope that it doesn't bar access to those who have been able to access new asset classes that otherwise wouldn't be able to. So um, for you know those of you who don't know, uh, like to be an angel investor in the US, you have to have a certain net worth or a certain you know, uh, cash flow status in order to invest in private companies. Well, one of the, this is not financial advice, don't take this as financial advice <laughs> use cases for Web3 is being able to kind of raise money through NFT projects that you can do you know, with those assets, what, what you're interested in doing, what your mission is. And so I do hope that regulation enters the space, but I hope that we don't over-regulate and then create the same version of the economy that we're already, already playing in, um, because I think that there's a lot of improvements that could be made. Definitely double-click double that. Um, so what are some common misconceptions that you guys see in sort of um, when you're talking to your more so mainstream audience um, about Web3 and blockchain. So what are like common misconceptions or um, I guess common blockers to adopt the technology that you guys see? I think at just like a high level, Web3 is overcomplicated. It's just technology. It's, it's literally just technology. There's a lot of community around it. There's a lot of interest in it. There's a lot of buzzwords right now, but it's just technology that is hopefully going to make our lives easier um, with all new technology. It can be used for bad. It can be used for good. But I think what I would say, like people in my social circles that maybe are less interested in tech or this space are like, they think you're into crypto or NFTs, or it's this like foreign world when that's really not what we're talking about. Um, so I think that's like the biggest thing people get wrong. It's just like, they think it is so much bigger than it is. And it is, listen, there's NFTs, there's DeFi, there's crypto, there's so many aspects of it. But at the end of the day, we're just trying to solve problems, right? Like we're just trying to build a better internet and a better future for all of us. And I think oftentimes the media shows kind of like the buzzworthy things, right? They show the board eight yacht club and why people are buying JPEGs for millions of dollars. But at the end of the day, that's, that's really a tiny piece of the space. And I think that's what people get wrong because the media only shows like the really like sexy buzzworthy title, like clickbait titles. And they don't show um, the side of the space that I think you and myself and Steph were all really interested in. One of the things that Lauren always says is like the biggest misconception about Web3 is people saying it's not for me. It's like, that's like saying, oh, the internet's not for me. Like that's not going to impact my life. And there were certainly those people, you know, like I wasn't there for this, but like in the early nineties, <laughs> we were like, oh no, like the internet, nobody will ever put their credit card information online. Nobody ever buy things online that they can't touch in store first. And it's like, to me, when I hear again, this is like my metaverse maxi showing. So let me brush that off. Um, when people are like, oh, the metaverse isn't for me. I'm like, I, that's like saying the internet's not for you. You know, there will be more things that you do in there over, over the course of time. But I agree with what Lauren's saying is that at the end of the day, this done right looks like us not talking about it being web three or metaverse or blockchain. It just all fades into the background. These are just things that we do that make our lives better. 
both our physical lives as well as our digital lives. Those things will just blend more and more. And we won't think of it. I don't think like we'll think of it as like physical versus digital. We'll think of it as digital, right? Like it'll be this new version of us that's tech enabled and really immersive, but also a great experience. And I'll add to what Steph said is us saying like, there are so many people that were like, web three is not for me. That's really how Allow List was born. We want to show many different use cases of Web3 technology, whether it's an NFT project, whether it's Evan from Disco, she's talking about verified credentials. We want to show all the things so someone listening can find the use case that resonates with them, can find how this is actually going to impact their life. For some people, it might be a fashion NFT project. For some people, it might be verified credentials. For some people, it's the metaverse. But there is Every like everything you're interested in is shown in Web3. You just have to find the use cases that resonates with you. And I find that when people see that, it clicks for them. They're like, I get it now. This matters to me. This impacts my life. And that's why Lotless was born. I love that. So with that being said, what would you, what advice would you give to someone who is wanting to learn more? Um, but might be a little overwhelmed by the space. Um, like what tools would you recommend them looking into um, or what advice would you give them? Um, I'm always one to shill a book or a podcast. So here are a few resources that will cost you no more than a few dollars that will really help you learn about this space. If anybody's ever done the Colby assessment, which is like a personality assessment, um, one of the dimensions of it is like your desire to fact find I have to have a lot of information before I'm comfortable taking any amount of action. And so my fact-finding mission has led me to The Blockchain Revolution, which is an incredible book and resource for those that need to believe in the technology and the infrastructure to even care about the use cases. Like, what does this unlock? Um, I just picked up a new book called The Metaverse, which I'm really looking forward to digging into. It's got a really vibrant cover. You'll know it when you see it. Um, And then... uh, Lauren introduced me to this podcast, but it's been such a game changer and just like uh, deep diving on the space. It's called Bankless. Um, So if you guys haven't heard of that podcast, that's a great one to give a listen to. And then also podcasts like this one, you're already listening to it. Podcasts like ours, Allow List, um, and getting involved in the conversations happening on social media like Twitter. Yeah. As someone that was not into Twitter, getting on Twitter is really helpful in this space. Um, That's kind of like the social media of Web3. I will say, as well as ever, all the resources Steph mentioned, like maybe find a meetup near you. I think showing up at this these in real life, like one, it's just a lot less scary than you think. I promise you, if you're new to the space, people are very friendly. Um, they want to help you learn. And going to something IRL makes it feel a lot more real. Like it's not just happening behind your computer screen. Um, as Cami can attest, the Chicago community is incredible um, at welcoming people in, at helping them learn, at having dope events. So I think just like dip your toe in, try a few different things and don't be afraid to ask stupid questions because anyone that tells you they're an expert in Web3 is wrong there's no experts. We are way too early for there to be experts and everyone's still learning how this technology is going to evolve together. So jump in and just don't be afraid. Last thing I'll add to that is if like you're at the point where you're like, no, nah, I've done the research, like I'm listening to this podcast, like I'm just ready to jump in. Here's how it happened for me. I went on YouTube, figured out how to set up a wallet, put a little bit of coin in that wallet, went to OpenSea, found an NFT that was like super cheap. Cause I was like, <laughs> if I'm doing it right or wrong, like it's just kind of want to figure this out and then bought it. And then I was like, Oh, 
Band-Aid ripped off, you know, got some crypto, got a wallet, got this weird little NFT thing, share it with a friend. They'll tell you what they did. And then the learning will literally just snowball from there. One more thing. Tell people you're interested in it. So many people don't tell anyone they're interested in it. And then they just like fall off. I find that whether it's a goal you want to achieve or something you're interested in, the more times you just say it out loud, someone might not be interested, but they're like, oh, you should talk to my friend, John. He, he's all into that shit. And I think the more I started telling people that I was interested in, I got connected with so many people instantly. Yeah. Like I said, at the beginning of this podcast, when you guys described how you came to start Allow List, like don't go it alone, people. It's so much easier with a buddy to kind of, you know, explore the unknown, the wild west of Web3 together. Um, And so final question to leave you guys off with, um, because you never know who's listening out there. Who is your dream podcast guest? Alexis Ohanian. Amazing answer. Please, please come on Allow List. I would love to meet you, interview you, pick your brain. (laughs) Big fan of you and your wife and your daughter and your Instagram. Wow, Steph, that was so fast. I've been thinking about this. I'm like, I I I know we have that like goal. And Rob (laughs) Dearness. Yeah, we have that like goal list. And I was going to pull it up because I was like, huh. Um, I love her name is Laura Shin. She was like, a reporter and investigator in the space. Um, I want to say for the times or like somewhere before anyone was reporting on it. And I read her book and I followed her podcast forever. And she's kind of like the historian of like Ethereum. Um, She's like literally flown across the country to get like the final interview she needed with Vitalik. Like she's a badass and she's uncovered like some sketchy things in the space, some old zoom recordings. She writes about it all in her book, but I just think, her angle on the space is so different. Um, and like just everything she shares is really fascinating. I would love to chat with her, um, as well as Alexis Ohanian, Rob Deardak, um, Gary V. I know he's some love him, some hate him, but he's doing a lot of big things in the space. It'd be really cool to talk to him as well. All amazing answers. Um, I will say Alexis Ohanian, uh, his his uh fund 776 shared one of our podcasts one time on twitter so this is not you know it might happen so i'm just saying again you never know who's listening so um alexis laura who's also a badass you know um, another amazing answer you guys hit up stuff and lauren for the allow list podcast thank you guys so much for coming on and joining for this discussion today um can you let our listeners know where they can find you and follow along yeah find us um our podcast at allowlist.vip slash links. That's where you'll get access to the Spotify handle, the Apple handle, et cetera. Um, hang out with us at allowlist.vip on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, LinkedIn, all the places. <laughs> and then I'm at buy stuff Caldwell everywhere online. I'm at Lauren D. Tierney everywhere online as well. So come hang with us. Yay. Thanks for joining guys. We'll talk to you later. Thanks. Bye. Okay.